if we have dysbiosis, which means an imbalance of the bacteria in the gut, we could potentially have digestion absorption issues. So if we're going to have digestion absorption issues, we're not going to be absorbing the nutrients that we need to have a healthy body, let alone a healthy mouth. Um, you know, we, our serotonin neurotransmitters are, you know, affected by our gut as are our hormonal um, balance as well. Hello and welcome back to Series 3 of the Smart Revolution podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Zendium, a fluoride toothpaste that strengthens the mouth defence by boosting natural enzymes and proteins found naturally in the saliva. It is clinically proven to boost beneficial bacteria for a balanced oral microbiome and improved gum health for a kinder, natural approach to oral health without compromising on efficacy. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, to inspire you through the content shared by the wonderful interviewees. And for sure, we need this more than ever during this time in isolation. This podcast is dedicated to oral health promotion with a mission to inspire dental hygienists, dental therapists and the dental profession now and in your career moving forward all around the world. COVID-19 has had such an impact on the dental profession. My heart goes out to each and every one of you whose lives have been impacted in varying degrees. Throughout this series, we will be sharing content on how to open doors of opportunity during this time. The poignant dental professional I had the pleasure of interviewing for this recording is Nina Lord, a dental therapist who is also a nutritional therapist, passionate about the whole body approach. In this recording, we speak extensively about the microbiome, nutrition and oral health. I'm sure you're going to be very interested to learn what Nina talks about in our conversation. Through listening to our conversation, I hope you learn, gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path, supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all. Nina, welcome on to the Smart Revolution podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to come on. We first connected, I think it was at the BSDHT conference in Newport. No, it wasn't. It was, I'm trying to think. I can picture it when I first met you. <laughs> yeah, I can too. But I can't remember. It was it a was. couple of years ago, wasn't it? It was, it was. And we've stayed connected on social media and I've just been so interested in your career path because it is, it's different. You've been focusing on nutrition and, and so many other things. And for that reason, I'm so delighted to welcome you onto the show today to speak more about what you're working on. And yeah, and get an insight for the listeners. So tell us, Nina, what, where are you now in your career? Where did you start? And how did you get to the point where you are at now? Well, I actually started when I was 19 years old as a dental nurse. And I think probably from that first day, I knew that I wanted to be a dental therapist. I 
but it took me a long time to get there. So I, I did all of my studies and, and I got qualified as a dental therapist. And then not long after that, I just started to look at the patients and think that I wanted to have a more of a whole body approach. So I decided to sign up to uh, nutritional therapy too. And I qualified in November of last year. So that's where I am now. Um, with regards to sort of the pandemic, yes, I'm at home a lot at the moment with the pandemic. So I've been really able to focus on that side of things as well. Yeah. So you said that you started to be interested in the whole body approach. And I think, yeah, that probably resonates, certainly resonates with myself. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners, but actually breaking out and thinking, I'm going to study nutrition. What was the turning point that made you think that's what I need to do? Well, I just kept seeing that my patients were on all these medications. Um, I could see that they were tired. They weren't, a lot of them weren't particularly well. And I wanted to sort of give them advice, but I wanted to make sure that I was safe and indemnified to do, to give this advice. And I wasn't going rogue. Um, You know, obviously it was a great interest of mine, but it was really important to me that I was using evidence-based, you know, information that I was safe. And I wanted to do it properly as well. I wanted to be giving them consultations because I really think, as a dental therapist or hygienist or nurse or dentist, we're in a really great position to be able to change our patients' lives and help them. They trust us. They get to know us over the years, you know, so we see changes in them. So we're in such a great position to do that. So I thought, why not? Yeah, I, so, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And how did you embark on searching for the course that you decided that you wanted to take? Well, I actually went on a talk um, that Juliet Reeves did in Newcastle many, many years ago. And one bit of advice that she gave to me was to make sure that you're, you get qualified to the sort of right level, to make sure. sure that you're given the right advice and that you're registered with the British Association of Nutritional Therapy. So that was my main theme to get out there, make sure it was recognised and had credibility. Sure. So I, got, I went onto the website, found a course there and found a weekend course and then was working in the week and studying at the weekend. So um, it was brilliant, nearly lost the plot a couple of times, <laughs> but I can't, can't tell you how happy I am that I did it now. I'm sure, I think we're all, anyone that's furthered their studies, you know, it's not easy at the time, but I think looking back, you never regret it and you're always so pleased. And you know, the journey that you've come on is an example of how far you can then go, I guess. So you speak about, you spoke about already the whole body approach. Now focusing on the microbiome that is a huge part of this, how do you approach this in your work? Well, I've started to sort of learn more and more about the oral microbiome um, with my patients because obviously it's so relevant to tooth decay and gum disease. Um, It's something that when when it's all working well holistically, it's healthy and it keeps us healthy, but once it's out of balance, it causes disease. So... I've started to educate my patients on that and tell them how it all works. And I've noticed that since I'm doing that, they're, they're making more changes because they actually are feeling that they understand why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. Interesting. So you're actually incorporating in what you're saying to the patients, the background of what the microbiome is and the relevance to tooth decay and periodontal disease. Yeah, and I'm trying to link it to the systemic as well. Um, so I talked to them about, you know, the, 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 for example, the risk with diabetes, the type two, how it can affect the blood sugar balance. Um, there's also hormonal links now as well. And I think very recently, something that's become of light is the link to the pneumonia. I don't know if you've heard about that, Victoria. Yeah, I know. 
which is so and when you look back on the literature on on the internet it's been well known but unrelatively well known so it's not something that's a secret but it's just coming out now that this situation is happening so it's really interesting that it's something people have known but we've not re- really talked about yeah no that's just it isn't it more and more evidence evolves or comes to the forefront and then I guess it's our role as a profession to think how can we utilize this to support our patients or our health, which is what you're doing. And how do you feel? You said your patients are maybe a bit more receptive. How do you approach starting a conversation about including the microbiome in the education? It's quite funny how I do it, actually. I often talk about the uh, the bacteria is like pitching up tents and running around and visualize it. So I don't think you need to save that for children. I think sometimes it's nice for adults too, because you can visualize it. So I kind of make it fun and don't take myself too seriously and I think they find that you know endearing because you know they can see that you're not taking yourself too seriously um and it's just it's just making them feel more responsible for what what they're doing and how how they're what they can do has an impact um I always sort of focus in my appointments on the top three things really that that they need and you know a first patient's uh, appointment who probably got a lot of calculus hasn't been for a while you probably wouldn't dive straight in with that but as you get to know people over the time, you go that little bit deeper and, and deeper. And when you've got the plaque control better, you know, you can talk to people more about systemic links and nutrition and things like that because they, they want to go that bit further with you on yeah. that journey. Yeah, yeah. So how do you start the conversation or how do you gauge it maybe when, it, when you feel that it's right for them? What kind of signs do you look out for? I think the main thing is like, uh, you can just pick up on body language if someone's mm. receptive to you. You know, if we're bouncing off each other and people are asking me questions, then I know I can go that deeper. But to be quite honest, I often say it a lot. And if it's bounced back and people don't want to know, I just shut up <laughs> and then talk about toothbrushing. So I think the main thing is you just you just feel, don't you, and see you how it's responded. Yeah, yeah. And keep it simple so you're not, you know, bamboozling them with science. And, and if it's received well, then... You know, we go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> the, of the oral system. Well, we're, yeah. I think we're all obviously so aware now of the connection with oral systemic and certainly the link with diabetes. And we were speaking about this earlier. Can you just expand on this in how you'd approach maybe explaining to patients about the link with diabetes, including that with the whole microbiome ethos and philosophy? Well, I, I always ask them how well controlled their diabetes is. Um, and I think because I think that's often quite a good way to start because they can say, oh, you know, my sugars have been a bit up and down. I'm not really sure whether it's very well controlled. And I think that's a really good starting point. If they go, oh, it's fine. Then obviously then, <laughs> then you think, oh, no. <laughs> but if, if they then say that it's not, then I can you know say the link that if you do have more pathogenic or what I like to call opportunist Distic um, bacteria in the mouth. So I love it, that it, what you're it, saying. It, opportunistic. Yeah. It's so true. The right opportunity. It? Yeah, it, it can overgrow and become problematic. So, and the link with diabetes is that the higher the pathogenic bacteria in the mouth, the more unstable the blood sugars are. So, actually, being more in control of that can have an impact on balancing your blood sugars. So, that's how I like to explain it to the patients. And some people love it and some people do and, you know, whether they implement anything. But then I feel like I've done my bit, you know. So if I've educated them in a way that I feel they understand and shown them that I care, then I've done my bit and hopefully they go away feeling inspired and and want to make changes. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they certainly do. And you're going, you're obviously involved in writing various articles as well. 
which I think I've read a, a few of yours that you've recently shared with me, you know, linking in the nutrition and the nutritional aspect um, diet for our patients into how that impacts the oral health. So, Nina, what should we be thinking of in this body, whole mouth, body connection approach, um, thinking in our mind about the microbiome in maybe foods that could impact a patient's oral health? Where would, what would you, where would you start? Well, I think, because a lot of people talk about prebiotics and probiotics for sort of gut health. Um, obviously, um, we know that that works well with the gut, but at the moment, we've still got some research to go on the oral cavity. We're taking sort of supplements in that way. Yes. So I always just recommend it be eating lots of fruits and vegetables. You know, they're full of prebiotic properties. It's never going to hurt to take, to recommend to a patient to eat lots of fruit and veg. If anything, it's going to benefit them and improve their life. So I always recommend lots of fruit and vegetables. Um, trying to stay away from sort of very acidic sort of drinks, lots of high sugar, because that is going to encourage that sort of, you know, decay that, that we want to avoid and that overgrowth of the bacteria. Um, of the opportunistic bacteria that opportunistic. we don't yes. want. And that's not <laughs> yes, helping the microbiome, the equilibrium. Um, or the absolutely. Sy- is it the symbiosis? Yes, absolutely. That's a good word. I like that word. And also keeping really hydrated because the saliva plays such an important role in, in the balance of everything as well. And I think that's not something to be sort of ignored. Yeah, no, that's so true. And you were actually, you touched on that earlier, that um, doing salivary tests. Oh yes, so you we we as part of my nutritional role, we do something called an adrenal stress test. So that actually is to help to find out how stressed people are. And the reason we do it through and we test through saliva is because about fifteen percent of our cortisol is in, found in our saliva as well. Um, and there's been some studies to show that that presence of that cortisol, if it's there sort of long term, has a real negative impact on that. Uh, the, the microbiome and can lead to overgrowth of opportunistic pathogenic bacteria and link to gum disease. So that gives us that sort of direct stress um, connection with the microbiome as well. Yeah. So what, I guess, a way to combat that is managing stress. Um, Absolutely, yes. <laughs> easier, <laughs> easier said, said than done. done. <laughs> and I always say that to- patients before before I say it and you know I always say I understand that it's easier said than done but if you, again if you're explaining to patients the impact it's having you know because these patients aren't just going to be stressed they're probably going to be smoking or they're probably going to be maybe not eating so well or because it's, it's going to be a combination of things not sleeping so well so all of that is going to have an impact so just giving them a little bit of awareness to maybe just be a bit kinder to themselves or give themselves a bit more time is going to make a huge impact on the load that their their mouth and body is having. Yeah. And in obviously the recognition of a salivary test. Now, would you ever be including or incorporating that into a dental setting? That's a really good idea, actually. I, I mean, I've, I always think about the things that I would offer, but that's certainly certainly justification for that. Because if they've got, you know, the reason with how it works with the salivary test is you test it at different times of the day. Right. So if it's constantly there at these different times of the day over a certain amount of time, that person's chronically stressed. So actually, you know, people like to see evidence. They like to see numbers. And sometimes they don't just want to hear you 
explaining, oh, well, this is because of this. Actually, if they see their own data, it's also a really great way or a tool of working with somebody as well. Absolutely. So it may be something then to explore. Nina, maybe give me a light bulb moment. (laughs) But maybe exploring in the future and incorporating that, I guess, into a dental setting. Now, how do you, in regards to your nutrition and um, your obviously your dental background, obviously you're registered separately. How do you combine this, or how do you work utilizing your skill mix now? to obviously deliver the best advice to each patient on a you know being being mindful of your um, registration with both to both backgrounds absolutely I mean we are entitled to give a certain amount of nutritional sort of advice because we did do through that at dental school but I think I remember only being a couple of afternoons so I do feel safe enough to work within a certain remit of nutrition um so something that I that I bring into my daily practice every day is noticing any manifestations that might come across as a insufficiency the main one is the b vitamins i don't know if you've ever seen it in practice but the, the cracks in the corner of the mouth sure. or on the tongue um and that can be all linked to absorption and the gut so it's very relevant to to the to the, the health of the mouth as well um but what what i'm hoping to start to do is offer my services as a nutritional therapist outside of the surgery as well, just so I can go that little bit deeper. Sure. And I mean, I'm even thinking now with the way things are going with the fallow time that we've got, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for us to start thinking, how can we help our patients in that time whilst we are not able to provide treatment? You know, we don't know how long that's going to go on for. Absolutely. Instead of sitting or not we don't sit around but you know, you know what I mean instead of not using that time we could use that for something else that mm. could really benefit the patient absolutely and I guess this is something again that we are all thinking of in this time you know maybe this is for the listeners something to explore more um I, I do feel that we are definitely thinking of the oral systemic approach but how else we can go that extra step or what further we can um, study during this time um, to be offering more and I guess from what you do with with your approach of the connecting the body and looking at the bacteria kind of load in the mouth um, and incorporating that with nutrition it's it's very it's an enriched approach it's very dynamic from different different areas that can be incorporated within just, I guess, adjustments within overall lifestyle that can be achieved at home. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I'm meeting more and more people who are going this way. I don't know. I mean, obviously you interviewed Caroline not so long ago. I, I mean, did. I've made friends with her on Instagram a long time ago. And, 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 and a lot of other people, there is yeah. definitely a movement. A lot of people are moving this way. And if we ever put anything out there we get such a great response of people wanting to learn so I do think that 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 is the way the dental profession is going yeah I can really feel it yeah yeah no I would agree um and it's certainly an interesting area I think for so many people and like you said the way that possibly things are moving Nanu, you touched on having lots of fruit and veg um from a prebiotic standpoint um what is the evidence to support certain foods in supporting the oral health at this moment in time in, the, in regards to the microbiome and the opportunistic and maybe 
the, the good bacteria? Well, really, the, the main advice to give is to sort of, is not to have the refined sugars, because um, that will feed that opportunist bacteria, like we, I mentioned before. Sure. Um, there's the, the prebiotic and the probiotic evidence with the oral, oral microbiome is just still in its infancy. So we're still working on that sort to know the effect it has. I've seen some great studies about omega-3 fatty acids linking to the sort of inflammatory process to help keep it balanced as well. But that is, again, it's all all coming with the, with the nutrition. Yeah. Um, and anything that's acidic that it could, could, you know, disrupt the microbiome as well. So it's just keeping things sort of nice and, you know, not having that sort of carbonated drinks, the, the high acidic drinks, alcohol, you know, all the things that we like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, I guess, of that symbiosis of the microbiome at the forefront of our mind to support the holistic oral systemic approach. And I know it's already been identified that there needs to be maybe more research um, around the area of how all the bacteria living within us are reacting with one another um, and how they're working and, and disease and the whole realm of how everything really lives um, uh, 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 surrounding what well, lives in the environment together. And I remember reading in your article about the National Institute of Health um, launch the human microbiome project absolutely and, and that microbiome is actually helping us like you say to help how we react to d disease there's something called whole genome sequencing I don't know if you've heard about that at all I haven't no <laughs> <laughs> can you expand that, on it please Nina well that's really how antibiotics were formed it's to see how pathogens react to be to those kind of things um, and there's another one which I always struggle with the word which is metatranscript Comics. Yes. And that is how bacteria works in its environment. And that was, in fact, actually how we found out about the cortisol. So seeing how the cortisol, re uh, the bacteria reacted to the cortisol was through a study called metatranscriptomics. So it's a big word. It is a <laughs> um, big word. So, you know, the, the microbiome is actually helping us to learn about ourselves as well um, yeah. and how we respond to disease. Yeah. And is there anything else that maybe we should be thinking about in regards to approaching our patients or maybe messages we can be delivering to create a more awareness about this with patients? So I think the main thing is just giving them some advice on what products to use as well. So I don't recommend mouthwash for healthy patients. I always, um, I only recommend it if there are times of stagnation short term just to help us get back down to a level um i recommend a toothpaste called zendium and the reason that i really like that is because their ethos is to protect you know the ecology ecosystem of the mouth um, and right. it's based on saliva it's full of proteins and enzymes that act like the saliva do to protect the mouth so i think if you're going to choose a, a product to help with, to keep your patient healthy then one that works with the body rather than against is always a good good way to go yeah and it's so interesting isn't it and I think there's also some research that I was reading about that's been done on how that has does impact um optimal levels of maintaining yep. the bacteria in the mouth of what is obviously the ideal environment so they, they've proven that it has a prebiotic effect so by prebiotic, that means feeds the good bacteria in order for it to proliferate and grow. So what their studies have shown is that 
you will get more of the good or commensal or and less of the opportunistic pathogenic stuff. I just thought we um, <laughs> yeah. So in order to keep a nice healthy microbiome, the research is all on healthy patients. Um, so just helping them to keep a healthy microbiome and helping their, their good bacteria to proliferate to, to protect the oral cavity. Alongside this, I obviously make sure that patients are brushing properly and cleaning in between. We don't want any areas of stagnation because that will encourage the overgrowth of this opportunistic bacteria in places we don't want it to as well. Sure. Um, and one thing about the Zendium as well is it's SLS free. And I know it's something that we've talked about, you've talked about on your podcast recently, but I've been looking at the research connecting it to um, people who've got dry mouth with xerostomia. And actually, so this is, this is a toothpaste I would recommend for that too, because they've said that SLS can affect the saliva flow and make more people with xerostomia's mass much more uncomfortable. So I think that's really beneficial um, as well. If you think about the role of saliva in the, you know, in the oral cavity and preventing of disease, um, using a bacteria that's going to, uh, sorry, a toothpaste that's going to boost the bacteria when they've already got compromised saliva sure. flow, surely, you know, it kind of all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah, it pieces the picture together That's it. of what we're trying to achieve for those patients. With, a, I guess, a reduction, obviously, they're experiencing xerostomia, they're going to have a reduction in the count of good and opportunistic bacteria. And I guess something like Zendian can support bringing, bringing that back up to a more normal, however normal it can be, level. So I guess this is something interesting for us to be considering when we're thinking about our patients and the array of different products available for the public to support different different needs. And I guess as well in what you're saying today, Nina, it is about assessing the patient, isn't it? And understanding what their needs are. And with your wealth of knowledge from your nutritional background and also with the focus on the microbiome approach is how best to support that and for them to being as healthy as possible. Absolutely. So in regards to the complexity of obviously the bacteria that's in the mouth, I know there is also a relation to the gut there that we've spoken about. Can you expand on this a bit for the listeners? Yes. Yeah, so again, I mean, we're going back to that, the human microbiome project. They, they still haven't linked the two together, but there are research to, to, um, to support the fact that you know the effects can still be far-reaching as in if we have dysbiosis which means an imbalance of the bacteria in the gut we could potentially have digestion ab absorption issues so if we're going to have digestion absorption issues we're not going to be absorbing the nutrients that we need to have a healthy body let alone a healthy mouth um you know we our serotonin neurotransmitters are you know affected by our gut as are our hormonal um balance as well sure and, you know um, the overgrowth of pathoge pathogenic bacteria can affect the breakdown of estrogen as well because it affects um, estrobilone, which is the is what is what's used to break it down. So if that doesn't happen, we can get too much estrogen in the body as well. And you know, we we all know the link to excess hormones and hormonal problems now with with, with the gums as well. So really, it's yes, they're not connected, but there still are very far-reaching effects, and there's things to be looked at there too so interesting and for interesting for us to keep at the back of our mind just to explore that seem to be certain links so just bearing that in mind and I guess that could manifest in the mouth through a dry mouth 
Um, yeah. I mean, what what examples of how it could manifest um, would you would you give, Nina? Well, I think one of the main things is you know it, we we always say you are what you eat, but you are what you absorb. You know, so if you don't absorb it, you know, so that links back to what I was talking about with the B vitamins in the cracks in the corner of the mouth. Yeah. Um, we can get blood, little blood blisters in the floor of our mouth on vitamin C. You know, there's so I would say that one is very, very relevant um, with regards to the gut, because if we aren't absorbing, you know, and even iron and, you know, is linked now to the health of the gums, all sorts of things, you know, and all of that is absorbed in the gut where we have can have these problems. I love what you said there. And I think that resonates with me more than anything. And I think it will do for the listeners. We are what we absorb. And that's so true. And that now starts to piece, for me, everything together in what we see as dental professionals, what manifests in the mouth. You know, we should be taking it back to what we're absorbing. And maybe if we're stressed. I don't know how that's affecting our absorption. Well, I was just thinking that. I was thinking we talked about the effect of stress on the oral cavity, but it has the same effect on the gut too, you know? So if you're thinking a combination of the actual direct impact of cortisol on the gums plus absorption issues combined, you can see how people would struggle to heal in those environments and actually how improving their gut health could improve outcomes. Absolutely. So much food for thought. Oh, this has been <laughs> such a joy, Nina, speaking to you. And uh, yeah, it certainly broadened my mind into, you know, what we can be sharing potentially with patients and the way we can be working towards supporting each other, thanks to people like yourself that are now qualified in nutrition as a nutritionist, what we can be advising and somebody to reach out to and with this mind-body-microbiome approach to our care is something, certainly for the now, and moving forward. you know, I was just, what I was going to say to you is I I also went to a talk um, in London a long time ago um, before I got qualified, and they were talking about practitioners in 460 AD, and there used to be (laughs) just one practitioner to get to the root cause. You know, that's how these how they used to do it and of course you couldn't do that now in these days no. because there's so much to learn and, and this, everything has gone on so far and we want people to specialize but it just at this event it was doctors and dentists talking together and it was so inspirational and it just brings back that sort of need for actually thinking that maybe yes we can't do everything but we can pull together so you so know true. if you don't feel confident in doing it or you don't want to become dual trained you've heard that sort of it takes a village um sort of saying reach out to people and get a community of people around you who can help support your patients and you get this sort of inner circle where you all refer to each other and it's really lovely you know I've got people who do who do physiotherapy or speech therapy or you know doctors people we all we all link with each other because you can't do everything it's nice to have an awareness but you can't be expected to do everything with how much knowledge we have these days but you know, so you don't have to think at the end of this, oh, blind me, I need to sort of do all of these things, you know, reach out as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it goes down to what I strongly believe in so much. It's about doing what we like, where our interest lies and reaching out to the others to, you know, feed us with 
additional information that can support our delivery of care ultimately linked to our patients and the public. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Nina, because it's just so true. And you couldn't be a better person for us to be able to reach out to and to read your articles that you've written for people to already start to implement what they've read in the articles about the foods and the nutrients from the different foods and how this can affect us. So Thank you so much for coming on the Smile Revolution podcast today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. But just before we end, it's the Smile Revolution fire round. And I'd like to ask you, Nina, where would you like to see our approach as the profession five years from now in regards to the mouth, the body, the whole microbiome? outlook on dentistry? I love the idea of functional hygiene appointments, you know, where you spend half the the time actually just educating people on the oral hygiene, the, the, you know, what I'm doing now, but but more well widely known, you know, at the moment, I only have half an hour as a hygiene and just add little tidbits in, but it would be so nice to be able to add that bit more, maybe have more nutritional education at the dental schools as well. So we can go that bit further. So we don't feel that we have to then explore it more when we come out of dental schools. That could be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, let's work towards it, everyone. For anybody that's interested, I know Nina would be delighted to hear from you. As she kindly said, you know, it's all about us working together. So thank you so much for your time, Nina, today and for all you have shared. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you enter the Zendium competition giveaway by sharing this podcast on social media and following Zendium on Instagram, tagging three friends in the at my smile revolution Instagram Zendium giveaway post or Facebook. The competition's running until the 30th of June 2020. Make sure you also take advantage of the 50% off your next tube of Zendium toothpaste and enter the money off code SMILE50 when ordering your toothpaste from the online Zendium shop. The link is featured in the about section of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it and leave a review please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. Thanks for joining me and being part of the Smile Revolution.